Hello there. Welcome to Canto Fight Dispatch. Today I'm Brittany and joining me today and always is my friend Emily Lind. Hi Emily. Hi Brittany. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Just stuffed a whole Subway sandwich in my face before recording, so I'm full. <laughs> Ooh, what kind? Uh, tuna. Nice. I love me my tuna. So today we don't really have a lot to discuss other than obviously the news of the Obi-Wan standalone, but we're also going to talk about topics about you know, other standalone films and our top three this week, and we'll discuss that later. And we have one listener email. That one's exciting. I cannot wait to read that. So let's get into it. Emily, what so, happened in the news this week? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, look, they're talking <laughs> about an Obi-Wan movie. And th- that sort of, when it first came out, was, oh my god, it's official that the next standalone movie is going to be an Obi-Wan movie. And then it was like, um, that's not, that's apparently not really what's happening. What's happening now is they're in talks of several different things, and one of them is probably an Obi-Wan movie. You sound so, like, done with it. I love it. You're just <laughs> like, no, I'm done. No, I just, like, it's, it happens constantly in Star Wars. And I guess it probably happens in other fandoms, too. It's just Star Wars is the one that I pay most attention to. But this way that things come out, and then all these different sites jump on it, and when you actually, like, burrow down, it's, like, one source and not very strong in terms of confirmation. Um, so, the Hollywood Reporter announced... Uh, I believe it was the, I believe it was Friday or Thursday. It was probably Friday that Oscar-nominated director Stephen Daldry is in early talks to direct an Obi-Wan Kenobi-centered film. And this director is known for directing some episodes of The Crown on Netflix. And he's also directing uh, Wicked, which is um, a Broadway musical that they're going to do into a live film. And he was nominated, or his movie was nominated for nine Academy Awards in 2003. That movie was The Hours, and Nicole Kidman won Best Actress in that movie. I've never seen it. Have you seen any of Stephen Daldry's movies? Um, I'm looking through it right now. I actually don't think I have. It's a bunch of things I should have seen, like I should have seen The Hours, and I maybe saw Billy Elliot, but... Billy Elliot, that one sounds really familiar. I'd probably have to sit down and watch a couple of his movies to get what kind of movies he does. I know that he directs mostly dramas, so a lot of the assumption is that his Obi-Wan Kenobi film will be a drama film, but it's just so early, I I don't want to speculate. (laughs) Well, yeah, especially after, um, like, after this had been going around for a while, um, Anthony Bresnikan, who does all of the Star Wars stuff for Entertainment Weekly kind of sent out some stuff that was like, calm down, guys. This is not nearly as far along as anybody seems to be saying that it is. 
when I first found out, I I was surprised. And yeah, I was surprised and I'm waiting for Lucasfilm. I'm honestly waiting for Lucasfilm to say, this is it, we're going to do this. Because they still haven't said anything yet, obviously. I'm wondering who leaked this to, or why Hollywood Reporter was like, guess what? Probably because there's no Star Wars news. Well, there was last week a lot of that Anthony Bresnikan article. It just seems kind of random for them to announce, hey, we're, we're thinking of doing Obi-Wan. I, I read a couple people speculating that it might have been Daldry's people who leaked mm. it, but but who knows? I mean, the thing is, I'm not surprised that they are, like, thinking about an Obi-Wan movie. I'm sure they are. I, I just, I don't, I don't necessarily think, oh, this is definitely going to be the next movie, because they're probably would be considering all sorts of movies at this point. Yeah, didn't one website say that they were thinking of doing a Jabba the Hutt spinoff film? Yeah, I read that and I'm like, I, I, well, no, I saw that, I saw the headline for that and I sort of raised an eyebrow and went, I bet that's not for sure at all. That's, that sounds like something somebody just came up with. God, I know. They can't really do much with the Huts because they already did a lot of shit with uh, the Clone Wars, how uh, there was an arc where Obi-Wan and Quinlan Boss go to Nal Hutta, which is where all the Huts live. And they do a lot of hut investigating, and they see a lot of them are crime lords. So, what is? I don't think they'd ever, they'd ever do a movie where the huts have a whole lot of screen time. I mean, I guess maybe if you had, you'd have to have a human lead, because you're not just you're not just gonna have a movie that's about the huts, because they're big, gross slug creatures. They're not gonna make a whole movie centered around big, gross <laughs> slug creatures. You don't want two hours of screen text on the. On the movie screen, because <laughs> they none of them they all speak Hutties. Now, I would I would love to see the Huts be like a minor bad guy, or even a fairly like, or even maybe the main bad guy in a movie. Because I'd like I'd like an underworld setting, mm-hmm. but I don't I wouldn't necessarily want it to be Java because I kind of want to get away at least a little bit from all the stuff that we know already. Yeah, what was the, there was a little hut. In The Phantom Menace, I think it was Gardula the Hut. Do you remember that? Oh in... man, I haven't seen Phantom Menace in like 15 years. So in The Phantom Menace, before the pod race, Jabba comes out and kind of behind him is a smaller hut. And I believe that hut's name is Gardula the Hut. Let me just look it up on Zoot... or not Zootopia, on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that movie too many times. When I was at D23, uh, they had us, uh, after 10 p.m., you know, they put us all in a dungeon to wait for the live action panel. So literally Zootopia was on like three times and it was four or five in the morning and it was just like blaring Zootopia music or I think Shakira sang a song and it was just blaring and I'm like, I never want to see this movie again in my life. Have you been watching Clone Wars at all recently? Um, I watched another two episodes. Oh, how were they? Um, so it was the it was the finishing up because like the week before I'd watched the one where they discover that they have this big ion cannon, and so this was a two. Well, I guess it, that was technically I watched those last two episodes of a three parter, but this was about them trying to destroy this ship, the Malevolence that had this weapon on it. It was it was not bad. Um, there's some stuff I really liked in it. 
this was the first time on this show, I think, that you see Padme, or at least the first time she got to actually do anything. And one of the things I really liked, there's this chase scene that happens, like, throughout the ship in Malevolence, and it's on top of, I guess, these sort of, like, monorails that they use to get around the ship. And I just, I, I've always been sort of curious at the inner workings of these ships that are, you know, the scale of, of like, a small city. So it was sort of cool to see that. Yeah, I remember that being a good episode. Didn't Grievous and Obi-Wan kind of have, like, a little face-off? Yeah, it doesn't last very long. I, I find Grievous a little bit annoying, like, the coughing. It's just, it's not something I want to listen to. <laughs> So I'm always, like, a little bit annoyed when he's on the screen, because I just, I, I find it irritating. I know. How would you feel if you were, like, a voice actress, and they told you one of the requirements was to cough every five seconds <laughs> for your role? I would probably not want to do it. I mean, irritated by all of the droid, the like, the Roger Roger droids and their attempts at humor. And it's really hard to get over because it's it's in every episode so far. Yeah, they try to cater to the children probably with the yeah, droids. Yeah, yeah, probably. I'm sure. If I had been a little kid, I probably wouldn't have been annoyed. But I'm, you know, I'm 33, so now I'm just like over it. <laughs> but no, so far it's not like it was a chore to sit down and watch it. Like once I started watching it, I'm like, okay, no, these are episodes are decent. I like Obi Wan a lot. I like yeah. Anakin a lot more than I thought I would. Wow, improvements. What do you like about his character in The Clone Wars? Well, he actually has a character. He, he has motivations that seem to be driven by actual human emotion. And that's a positive step. <laughs> like, I sort of I get where he's coming from. And there's this whole thing about him because the ship is going to destroy this big medical bay where they have all these clones. And so Anakin's going to stop that from happening. And it seemed like good, solid, realistic motivation. I love how you just say that his improvement is that he has character. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That makes me happy that this isn't a chore for you and that you're actually enjoying the character. So I'm, I'm happy. I was a little nervous at first after your impression of the Clone Wars movie is that. Yeah, I was worried too because I'm like, oh, am I really going to watch six seasons of this? <laughs> So you got past the malevolence, or malevolence, yeah. yeah. And so I'm not sure what happens next. I haven't been looking ahead at all. I'm just like keeping it on Netflix. I had a couple people tell me that I should do the chronological order, but that seemed like too much work to keep track of, rather than just letting Netflix remember what episode I'm on. Yeah, that is. That's a lot of work, especially because Netflix is so convenient, and you can just go episode to episode. And going the chronological order with... I'd, yeah, I'd have to, like, every time I'd have to, like, check a list and then scroll through. I just want to be able to hit play. Because <laughs> I'm really lazy. I feel you 100%. <laughs> um, okay, but so there is quite a bit of Obi-Wan in these episodes. And I'm wondering, because you're an Obi-Wan fan. Yes. What's your thought on an Obi-Wan movie? Like, whether it's going to happen or not, what would you want it to be? What do you not want it to be? God, I don't want it to be an old man in the dirt for two hours. I want <laughs> emotion. Something's telling me that Ian McGregor's not going to be in this. I don't know why. I'm probably wrong, but I have this weird feeling that 
they're going to try to age him and they're going to bring in another guy and be like, you're Obi-Wan, and then everyone's going to get pissed. I just don't know if they can do it. The only thing I hear fans talking about with an Obi-Wan movie is Ewan McGregor. Exactly, which is why I think Disney will be like, no. <laughs> that's just that's just my confidence in Disney right now. But I was surprised when I read that. I think someone in the Rogue One Army chat room messaged us and said this article just came out. And of course, I was excited at first, but I had to take a step back and be like, so is this really happening? Is there going to be an announcement? Obviously, the film was staying silent. I honestly thought they would be doing a Boba Fett for film first because that's been the most popular option for Star Wars fans is Boba Fett. But I kind of don't like the idea of the next movie after Han Solo being about a character. I like the event films like Rogue One. I maybe thought they were going to flip-flop, like do a event movie, then a character movie, then another event movie. But I don't know. Again, you know, they're still in talk. So who knows if they'll actually do this Obi-Wan film and if Ian McGregor is going to be in it, which I think if he was asked, he would do it 100%. But looking at pictures of him now, he would definitely have to grow up that beard. <laughs> you don't want to see old man in a desert for two hours. So when do you want it to be set? Or where do you want it to be set? Well, I sound like a hypocrite now, because obviously it has to be set on Tatooine. Because he can't leave Tatooine because he has to watch over Luke. I'm thinking about different events would happen. Like, my brother has this really good theory that Chewbacca and Obi-Wan met before the events of A New Hope. So somewhere in between the five and ten years that Obi-Wan, or the last five and ten years Obi-Wan spent on Tatooine watching over Luke. So either I want something that Chewbacca meets Obi-Wan and they get out of something, or my impossible crazy theory that Obi-Wan will have a cameo in the Han Solo film, which definitely is going to happen because there were rumors a long time ago that Han Solo would make a cameo in Rogue One, and that obviously did not happen. So, I have no idea. Every theory sucks of mine, so. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? What are your thoughts? I'm not necessarily opposed to an Obi-Wan movie. It's just sort of, it's not on my list of things that I really want, because I want something, I I don't want another, hey, this is a different story about a character we already know movie. At least not for a while, since we're already getting Han Solo, which I wasn't crazy about, but. I mean, who knows? Like, if it's good, it's good. It's just, there's... I feel like the universe is so big that I'd like to explore it a little bit more rather than it just be, here's a bunch of stuff you already know that we're going to reference. Like, here's a slightly younger version of this character. But I also feel like, yeah, he can't leave Tatooine. Like, unless you're going to do, like, crazy de-aging and make him look scary, like... Tarkin in Rogue One like a robot you can't really go too far back in Obi-Wan's story from you know what we saw in the prequel so you can't really set it before because it'll just if I mean if you're using McGregor you can't set it before but I don't know like what do you do on Tatooine it's weird to have a Star Wars movie that's confined to one planet I know it's it's kind of shitty because a couple weeks back we were talking about ideas for standalones and of course I said Obi-Wan because I love Obi-Wan and seeing him would make me happy but literally like I'm getting everything I've always wanted and now I'm like hmm is this actually what I really want which is kind of a shitty feeling because as much as I love Obi-Wan I don't know how this movie could be made I don't know how this movie could be 
entertaining, have a plot, but then again, this movie can come out in like five years and I'm going to cry in the theater as it comes out. So it's just me being skeptical right now. So <sighs> it's exciting, but I have a feeling that this is not going to happen because probably a bunch of directors were in early talks to do a Boba Fett movie or I'm just saying Jabba the Hutt because it was the last thing mentioned. Jabba the Hutt movie, so I'm not confident. I'm only going to be confident when Lucasfilm says, hey guys, so... but Yeah, because, I mean, movies fall apart all the time. I mean, like we saw with Josh Trank's Boba Fett movie, which was definitely going to happen, and then he had that insane meltdown and was fired and the movie just disappeared. Poor guy. I can't imagine. I can't imagine being that close and something like that happening. I mean, it's, it's going to be like a thing that happens in Star Wars, I guess. We're having such shitty luck so far. First that, and then all that shit that happened with the directors of the Han Solo film. Let's hope Ryan Johnson just blows it out of the park. <laughs> I think Ryan Johnson is going to make an amazing, or already made an amazing movie that we're going to get to see in a couple of months. It's almost surreal that I'm going to be in a theater in December having tickets for another Star Wars film. It's crazy. Every year I hype myself up for December because that's when the movies are released. And it's such a great feeling, you know, going into that month and even going into like the months before. We're probably going to have a trailer in October and we're going to know a little more about this movie, which is even, which is so exciting. I've been looking at all of the, the book announcements for all of the journey to The Last Jedi or whatever they're sort of putting that under the umbrella of there's actually some like really interesting looking stuff i still haven't read inferno squad which i I, it's like sitting on my kindle but i'm in the middle of this gigantic french revolution book it's like 900 pages and really good but it's it's slow going and so i'm still but inferno squad is the next in line and then of course we have the canto bite book which is several short stories written by some really cool people and some really like diverse people. It's got the diversity of the of the writers, both in terms of like their background and their writing styles and the genres they write in is really cool. And so I think that's going to be a great book. And um, the Phasma one, cause man, after all the hype they did for that character and then she was barely in the movie, I, I wanna know more about her. I want to know where she got her shiny, shiny suit and her cool, sweet cape. <laughs> and, like, she's apparently supposed to be awesome, so I'm looking forward to that book. There's one, I forget the title of it, but there's apparently going to be one centered around Rose, and I, I would assume her sister. And there's a Leia book, and there's this book about Luke, which is sort of like, I guess from what I've read, people's stories about Luke so it's sort of like the people who don't know him but just hear the legends of him so it'll be like rumors and stories about Luke Skywalker which is such a cool concept I like that like other people's stories of Luke or about Luke instead of the people that he knows well yeah I like that idea is because of course you know we know who Luke is we know what happened to him I mean well to up to a certain point in his life but he'd be such this sort of 
mythic thing. And we have that a little bit about how, like, excited Ray is about him. And so you do wonder what stories people tell about him and sort of what's been exaggerated and what what truth has gotten out there. I'm hoping I'm hoping there's like some like imperial stories about him and whether it's like propaganda about how he's this horrible person or maybe like some sort of boogeyman kind of deal. <laughs> I'm assuming that he's because from Ray's she's talking to Finn and he's like, Oh, I have a map to Luke Skywalker and she says Luke Skywalker, I thought he was a myth. She seems so excited as she's talking about Luke Skywalker. So I'm assuming that the stories were probably positive. And there were probably many stories after the events of Return of the Jedi, which I'm excited to hear more stories about Luke because I never really read a lot of the comics or the books. So... I'm kind of cloudy on my my memory of events of Luke Skywalker after those movies, or so. Yeah, and of course, well, I mean, of course, the the books are the, the new canon. We don't really know much about what happened with Luke at all; just sort of Damn. a vague sketch. Damn that new canon! <laughs> and then, of course, there's the book Chewie and the Porgs, <laughs> which I'm I'm buying Chewie and the Porgs. It looks adorable. And I wish I could say I was buying it for my nieces, but my nieces don't know Star Wars, so I'm buying it for me. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited for that book. I've always wanted to learn how to cook, and I feel like that cookbook will really help me. Oh, wait. Oh, that's not a cookbook. Never mind. (laughs) I love it. If it's just, like, if it's a kid's book, and it's illustrated, but it's, like, how to butcher a porg. So it's like really detailed pictures of like how to like, st- like I'm assuming like a chicken, you like st- break its neck and then like how to like defeather it and chop it all up. I wonder what porgs taste like. I think, I don't know. I mean, it's cliche to things, say things taste like chicken. Maybe more like, I think it's probably more like duck. It has more like a gamey taste to it. Like a finer meat. So, I don't know, maybe it's like like something weird like puffin, which is supposedly like really kind of like oily and weird. Yeah, I've never tasted a lot of exotic birds. I don't think I know anyone who's really tasted exotic birds. Maybe Steel knows. From the exotic <laughs> land of Australia? Yeah, Australia's a strange place. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I want to have some porgs. I'm back to loving them again. It's going to change every week until a movie, based on how annoyed I am by the internet. Yeah, I'm pretty annoyed of not annoyed, but all the porglash, as I call it, is very overwhelming. Here's the thing: is I just want porgs. I don't <laughs> want people's clever puns about porgs. I don't want. Jokes about porgs. I just want to see cute things. So if you just, like, if as I'm just looking at porgs and seeing cute pictures of porgs, then I'm happy about porgs. But then I go online and there's all sorts of, like, really bad t-shirts about porgs, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Just show me pictures of cute things. I'm waiting for when Star Wars releases, like, merchandise with porgs. 
Oh my god, there's some coming, because Forest Friday is soon. Oh yeah, do you know what the pork sounds like? I saw a leaked video of someone pressing the pork. I purposely, like, I opened the video, and I started to play it, and then I'm like, no, I don't want to know. <laughs> it's cute. It's actually really cute. I was surprised of how much it made me smile. And I'm, I'm not a pork hater, but I'm on the edge right now. When I see the movie, I'm going to enjoy the pork right now. I'm just meh about them, but hearing the sound of the porg is really cute. I'm getting that porg. I want that. I want the Funko Pop of Chewbacca holding the porg. And I want the porg Pez dispenser. <laughs> Pez dispenser. I don't I even know where to buy Pez dispensers. I haven't seen a Pez dispenser in a store in like 10 years. But I'm I'm gonna have to track them down. Were pezzes or cause they sh- cause you press it and it shoots out like little what do they call them pez things? Pez, yeah. Pez yeah, is pez. the candy. Yeah. Pez is the candy. I never enjoyed the candy. I more enjoyed the people on the candy. Oh, definitely. The candy is not very good. <laughs> I mean, I've eaten a lot of pez, especially the orange and the strawberry. Those are the best flavors. The oh, there's different flavors. Yeah. There's, okay, this is the last time I had Pez, so this might be d- different by now, but there is orange and lemon and strawberry and grape. And grape is disgusting. And lemon is not very good. Strawberries and orange are the best. Oh, yeah. They definitely had flavors. I don't know. Maybe my brain was just, my brain's not working tonight for some reason. Maybe because I'm starting school soon, so my brain is slowly trying to crumble, but... Cherry, strawberry, lemon, grape, orange, raspberry. Great for parties. Grab <laughs> Great for parties. <laughs> That's what Amazon. I'm reading something on Amazon, just the flavors and great for parties. I yeah, I'm just like a bowl full of Pez. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a great party. I should do that my next event. No, but back when back when the special editions came out, I had all of the all of the Pez dispensers that came out. I I mean I didn't keep them because I you know every once in a while I'm just like nah I'm done with everything. And it goes into the garbage. And now I'm like, man, I wish I still had that Yoda Pez dispenser. <laughs> you ever just think about that sometimes? Like that one action figure or that one Pez dispenser that got away? I mean, I think about... I didn't have any Star Wars toys when I was a kid, but my older brother did. And I distinctly remember like playing with Ewoks in our old sandbox. Which is now a flower bed that I'm fairly certain if you dug up, you would find... Some some old dismembered Ewok action figures. Dismembered. <laughs> were you always in love with Ewoks as a kid? Oh because yeah. I thought they were cute, but I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't really an animal person when I was a kid, so I never got into like I I enjoyed Ewoks. I I wasn't bothered by their presence, but. I don't know. I wasn't. I, I wasn't an animal person when I was a kid. I was weird. Like I I enjoyed the presence of animals, but seeing them on, on TV, I was just like, okay, an animal. Do I have to give my Ewoks or people to speech? <laughs> yeah. I get very upset about this. <laughs> no, no, take yeah, do it because I deserve it. I deserve it. Ewoks after. are people too, Brittany. They're not animals. Just because they don't look like you doesn't mean they're not people. (laughs) 
They wear clothes and have fashioned weapons and language and a society and they live in tree houses. <laughs> they live in tree houses. I used to want to live in a tree house when I was a kid. I mean, they made Leia a dress. But no, I always like the Ewoks. I think I liked the combination of them being these super cute little dudes, but then also like vicious murderers. And seeing them, seeing them, oh man, I was a fucked up kid, that makes it sound like, it. but I liked seeing them, like, take down the stormtroopers. I thought that was amazing. I think as a kid, I found that very appealing, that these creatures that didn't look threatening at all could, could overcome, like, the Imperial troops. They took advantage of the cute factor they had and destroyed the Imperial troops. Well, and I like that it's all, like, setting up traps... And having this, like, really complicated route through the forest and stuff that they know. And so are able to, like, clobber these guys off of their speeder bikes and stuff. And I'm sure I watched the Ewok movies as a kid. I don't remember them at all. I mean, I only remember them from, like, the stuff that I've seen as an adult. And they're really terrible. Like, even if you take into consideration that they're kids' movies, they're terrible kids' movies. For the longest time, I think until Ron Howard was announced as the director of the Han Solo film, I thought Willow was the, one of the Ewok movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I specifically remember being Man. at the store, like, right after that news was broken. My cousin works at uh, one of the stores in my town, and... I was picking up something, and I was talking to him, like, hey, so the director's on solo film got fired. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, they, they're bringing in Ron Howard. He's like, Ron Howard? I'm like, yeah, Ron Howard, he did that Willow Ewok film a long time ago. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. That makes me so people. happy. And I didn't know this until I, I actually looked at the film, and I'm like, oh, fuck, this isn't an Ewok film. This is actually people. <laughs> so, go Brittany. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I know. What's Willow even about? Is it, it's kind of, it's like Star Wars. A lot of people say it's like Star Wars, but with people. I mean, it's a fairly standard family fantasy movie. So Star Wars. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but it's, it is, you know, it's like the like reluctant hero and there he, there's this child that this evil queen is trying to destroy it's got I mean, it's got plenty of, of similarities to Star Wars just because they both you know are, are using all those standard fantasy like mythic tropes mythic tropes I'll have to give that movie a try I have a lot of movies I have on my list of things to watch before I finish watching or listening to all the podcasts because I'm very behind on podcasts since I was a juror on the trial for a week and a half. So I'm very behind. I'm slowly catching up on podcasts, but after that experience, <laughs> it's hard catching up. That's for sure. Yeah, but. I mean, I mean, I guess you are you're sort of forgiven on Will just because I guess Warwick Davis is in it, and so that I mean, he's not covered in fur. But it's actually really cool because he's he's like the main hero in that movie. Oh yeah, he is. So it's like him and Val Kilmer. Wow, 
I already know I'm going to get a lot of people laughing at me. And I'm prepared. I'm prepared to get laughed at for thinking that Willow was an Ewok film. But you know what? It's pretty great, I have to say. <laughs> I would have died if I was at like a public event with all you guys and you are talking about Willow. And I was like, yeah, that Ewok movie. And everyone would just look at me like, Brittany, no. I mean, honestly, I, honestly, I barely remember that movie because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. The only thing I really remember is that at one point, Val Kilmer's character is in, like, this birdcage type thing. <laughs> it's literally the only scene of the movie I remember. Someone in a birdcage, that's funny. Alright, so, a little more on spin-off ideas. We kind of talked about the possibilities of Obi-Wan and Jabba the Hutt. But, what do you think should be the next spin-off or do you have any spin-off ideas or what do you think? I would like it to be more like Rogue One in some ways in that I, I'd like it to be mostly new characters. I talked about this a little bit on the last Colin show that Steel Saunders did, but I really love a Star Wars version of The Departed. For those who don't know The Departed, it is a Martin Scorsese um, movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon and it's about an undercover cop who is infiltrating organized crime but there's also this organized crime dude who is spying on the cops who's become a cop um it's based on a Hong Kong I believe movie called Infernal Affairs so it's this really like cat and mouse sort of thing where they're, the cops are trying to figure out who the mole is in their organization, and and the mobsters are trying to figure out who the mole is in their organization, and it's very complicated and lots of back and forth and, and cool spy drama. And I would love that with an Imperial character and a Rebel character. And I think part of that is when we first, when we first started to hear about Rogue One, I thought we'd get more like Rebel spy stuff. And instead, it's just sort of like that's in Cassian's background, and we hear a little bit about it. But, like, that little snippet that we get, when Cassian and and his friends are deciding to join Jin, and, and you know, Cassian has this line about, like, we've, we've done a lot of stuff that we really aren't proud of in order to get this done. And so now we're going to go on this, you know, huge epic mission and really have this battle... And so this idea that the rebels who are our heroes, who we love and always root for, have done really nasty things in, in order to bring down the Empire, I'm fascinated by. And I'd love to really delve into that. And at the same time, like, again, I'm a huge Imperial fan. So if we could spend time with Imperial characters and actually get to know them, and not just as villains, but really see them as, as characters and as people. I mean, even if in the end they're still the bad guys, I think adding a more complicated set of Imperial characters would make me very happy. Shit. Those those sound really good. Especially that departed line. And you were talking about, you know, a little bit about Cassian and how he was hinting at, oh, he's done so many like bad things for the rebellion. I hate, I almost hated that part of the movie when he was talking about that because I hate when characters talk about 
how they've done some messed up shit that they might regret, and we don't see it, or we have no idea what they're talking about. I'd love to have a movie that explains the terrible shit that they've done. Yeah. I don't know why I'm, like, blanking out on all these, like, spinoff ideas. Maybe because I'm so surprised about Obi-Wan, but I really don't know what they're going to do next. But then again, I never thought they'd do Rogue One. I never thought that they would do a movie about how they found the plans of the Death Star. My ideas was probably how they got the plans of the second Death Star, maybe add a Palpatine cameo, but that's kind of stupid. As I was writing that down, I was like, I don't know. And the other one was obviously a Yoda film about Yoda, you know, young Yoda in the Jedi Temple a thousand years ago. And, you know, like you said, like events, like about events, not about like personal people, like a character story. I'm more drawn to, you know, the events. But then again, Han Solo's coming out and I'm so excited for Han Solo. I don't know why I'm more excited now. I think ever since Ron Howard kind of took over and he's been posting all the pictures, I think that's really hyping me up. Yeah, I'm still not. I'm still not feeling Han Solo, but I think part of that is why would I be excited about Han Solo when the Last Jedi is coming out? And so, like all of my Star Wars excitement right now is focused on the Last Jedi. <laughs> like I sort of like Han Solo is so far in the background for me right now that I think I think once I've seen Last Jedi like five or six times, and we actually get some real footage of Han Solo or some real idea of what the story is then I'll probably succumb to the excitement of it yeah I'm actually the total opposite I'm trying to hype myself a lot for Han Solo because I don't want to get overhyped for The Last Jedi because so much Last Jedi news has been released and I don't know what to think I want this movie to be really good but is it but I'm not questioning anyone. But I'm just questioning my thoughts. Like, I know I'm going to see the movie and love it. But right now, I just want to try to occupy my brain. Because I know that The Last Jedi is going to come out for another three months. Or, yeah, four months. Which is really sad. And especially because we're learning so much about the plot. But yet, we still haven't got an actual trailer. We've gotten a teaser trailer. But that's basically told us that the Jedi are going to end so I'm really interested to see Luke but it's almost bittersweet in a way I think probably I'm almost trying not to look forward to this movie is that's going to be really kind of sad I'm not excited to see Luke's reactions to Han Solo dying and seeing Chewie in this film after his best friend died and you know just the hostility that Luke will probably have against Rey and the chances that Luke will not be good at first. I I don't know why I'm really not looking forward to see bad, seeing bad Luke. At first I was kind of for it, but now after reading a lot of those articles, I'm not dreading it, but I'm worried. Like I'm worried for these characters and I I don't I'm nervous to see how they're going to act in this movie, which is really weird. I know that sounds off or really weird, but yeah. I don't know how I'm going to react when we see Leia. I, yeah, I just one. I can't really watch Force Awakens, or I can't I can't watch the whole thing. Like I get to the to the Leia and Han reunion, and I I, I can't get through it. Like I know I'm having an extreme emotional response to a woman who I never met, and I don't know, <laughs> but. 
she was such a strong presence and you know i've i've read i mean almost all of her books and i've you know seen so many interviews with her and she's always just been part of my star wars life i guess is the way i would put it so i mean thinking about like as excited as i am to see star wars and to go sit down and watch this movie and also i'm excited to see leia but it's going to be devastating it is it's going to be so weird seeing her and knowing that Carrie's not here anymore. And especially because we don't know what the character of Leia, we don't know how her story is slowly going to end. Because the last couple of years for Leia have been really difficult. Her and her husband breaking up and her son turning to the dark side and then her estranged husband dying She's been through a lot of shit, and seeing how Leia responds to all that while knowing that this is the last time we're going to see her on screen, it's a really strange feeling that I don't really know how to explain, especially when the articles and seeing her and the trailers and everything, it's weird. Everyone's always, you know, very expressive and very, everyone talks about, oh, Leia, I can't wait to see Leia, but uh, it's hard. Yeah, I'm going to be sitting in a theater crying my freaking eyes out. <laughs> uh, it's uh, This podcast has gone for a turn. First we have the sex podcast, and now we have the one where we're like, damn, emotions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But it should be good. I mean, seeing Poe, Finn, and Ray should brighten up everything, and seeing Ray interact with Luke and try to... Yeah, I, I, I think I think those scenes are actually going to be really good. I think the whole movie is going to be great. I, I'm i trying to not have my expectations be too high just because it's always better to be surprised in a good way. I mean, my expectations, I kept fairly low for The Force Awakens and then it was my favorite movie ever. And so I'm trying to, to tamper it down for this movie. But it's hard to because it's Star Wars and I want to, you know, I want to be excited about it. I do too. I remember being really excited for The Force Awakens and after seeing it thinking it was the greatest movie I've ever seen, but then after a couple months seeing The Flaws and especially with Rogue One also. I feel like I have this like reoccurring thing where I see a Star Wars movie and at first I love it, it's fantastic, but then all of a sudden it becomes so critical. It's either am I being too critical or am I correct? And I don't want to think that while or after I see The Last Jedi, like a couple months after, I want it to be the kind of movie that I want to, if I'm bored, I want to put in a movie and I want it to be The Last Jedi. Because I'm like that with the original trilogy, like episodes one through six. I'm like, I could be at work one morning and just put in a Star Wars movie while I'm doing work. I do that all the time with The Phantom Menace because I joke around and that's just blank noise. But... I don't know. I'm being definitely critical about Star Wars. I apologize. I'm sorry, Star Wars. I'm in a weird mood today. I can't explain it. <laughs> but what do you think? I mean, I don't know. I hear this sometimes. But like, for me, uh, it's not that I don't think Force Awakens has flaws. It's that none of them bother me. And, like, when I'm sitting down and watching the movie, I just, I, I still... 100% love it. And it still makes me super excited, and it makes me cry, and it makes me laugh. I'm probably 
slightly more critical when I watch Rogue One. Um, part of that is because whenever I'm watching Rogue One, I I kind of wish I was watching the movie that we thought Rogue One was going to be when we when we got the trailers. And there were so many scenes in exactly. those trailers that we didn't get. I'm so torn. Because there's stuff in those trailers that I'm just glad we saw. Because it was super cool. But I, I really resent that they're not in the final movie. Because I like Rogue One quite a bit, obviously. Like, beyond just my love for director Krennic. I think it's a solid Star Wars movie. I think it's it's got a lot of really good, interesting stuff in it. It's just, I know there was this other movie that could have been, and I think I like that movie a little bit more. I find myself thinking about that, too, about the movie that Rogue One could have been without all the reshoots and everything, but it's hard being critical on something you love so much, you know? But to think that they almost didn't put that last scene with Vader and a bunch of scenes, and the thought that this movie was so close to the shit hitting the floor, kind of like what happened with Han Solo. I don't know. I think this is something that I feel is particularly bad in the Star Wars fandom, which is not being able to be okay with things being flawed. Like, you either have to absolutely love something and think that it's perfect, or you say something bad and that means that you hate it. It's like, no, there's, there's a medium there. Which is that you can you can think something has some problems and think those problems should be acknowledged, but still really love the movie. I think that's why I'm really worried right now talking about all this is because, you know, either you the people think you have to absolutely love a Star Wars movie or absolutely hate it. Like there's no in between. And we're allowed to have in betweens, especially with these newer movies. So but on a happy note, I am ecstatic to hear the score for The Last Jedi because John Williams knows how to toy with my emotions. <laughs> Let me tell you. I cannot wait. There's always that one score that he releases right before the film. I believe the last, or for the one for The Force Awakens, he released the battle scene on um, Mos Katana's planet. I always forget the name. But when Poe and yeah. the rest of the X-Wings come in and save the day. And I was really excited for that. Anyways, on a happier note, let's discuss our top three this week. So our top three this week had to do with Star Wars friendships. So we're ranking Aww, the Star top Wars three friends. Star Wars friendships in the galaxy. Because this podcast has been kind of depressing, thanks to me. So I'm going to attempt to make things lighter. Well, Emily, you're, you're going to start off because I want to hear yours. <laughs> okay. Number three is True and Base because they're awesome. That's one of the highlights of Rogue One, I think, is that friendship. I sort of love the exasperated love that they have for each other. I think, I think it, it plays really beautifully on screen. You, you feel the history of it, even though we don't know the history of it. It's so, it's well written, it's well acted, and so you, you totally just accept these guys do have this deep, abiding friendship. I, I know a lot of people like space husbands, and, and yeah, totally, maybe. I have no problem with that, but 
I feel like <laughs> I don't want to give Star Wars credit for doing a gay relationship when they haven't actually done a gay relationship. I want them to do a gay relationship, but I'm not I'm not going to settle for just, oh, if you want to, you could think of this as a gay relationship. So as much as much as I adore them and would have been happy if they had actually been space husbands. But number 2, I don't know if this quite counts. I went back and forth on this. But it's Poe and BB-8. <laughs> I mean, I almost put that one down. I just, I love Poe so much. I mean, Oscar Isaac, oh my god, he's just great. I'm so glad he didn't die in that movie. I'm so glad they decided to I'm keep so him around. Well, no, but that, I mean, that was originally, like, I mean, that was something that was going to happen. And then Oscar Isaac is amazing, and Poe is amazing. So now he's going to be in these movies. I mean, he better, oh man, if they kill him. But anyway, I, I love him in BB-8. I know it's very reminiscent of of some of the other, like, human droid friendships. Uh, especially, I, I mean, R2 is sort of the the one you would hold up there that's like this. But I don't know. I just, I think they're adorable together. I like how happy they are to see each other again when they're finally reunited. Oh, God, that's so cute. And BB-8 just beeps excited, <laughs> beeps excitedly. But, oh, that was just such a happy scene. He's like, my buddy! Yeah, and like, BB-8! I just love it! I love how happy they both are. And number one Star's friendship for me is Han and Chewie. I, the yeah, obvious. it is the obvious. And I'm like, ah, is that too obvious? <laughs> but I'm like, okay, but whether it's obvious or not, it's it's my favorite. They're wonderful. Harris and Peter play really well off each other. Even though we don't understand what what Chewie is saying, it's still it's still it's still this great friendship that we see. I love the loyalty of it. I love the humor of it. I love how protective they are of each other. When Chewie just friggin' loses it when he sees Han being murdered, just broke my heart. I mean, like we talked about a little bit earlier, I I feel like it'll be interesting to see what Chewie does in The Last Jedi, whether it's just, like, full-on rampage Chewie or what. I mean, obviously, we're going to see him have, like, some nice scenes with some porgs, but <laughs> but I think we're going we're gonna to get not only angry, but Chewie who, feel, who feels like he failed because he didn't protect Han, but... Maybe they're therapy porgs. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes, therapy porgs. I think that's probably why they're on the... Pl- Maybe that's why Luke hasn't gone cra- mostly crazy, is because the Porgs have been healing his little heart. And hopefully the Porgs will heal Chewie's little heart, too, because they look so excited on the Chewie and the Porgs cover art for the book. <laughs> so how about you? Um, I want to start this off by saying, obviously, my, or the, the top... Obviously, is Chewie and Han, but I didn't put that one down because I knew that one was my obvious, and I wanted to kind of touch up on other Star Wars relationships, such as uh, my number three, which is Obi Wan and Anakin Skywalker. And I choose this one because they've been through a lot together. Obviously, before Anakin turned the dark side, they were brothers. They went from master and apprentice to brothers 
and their bond is so strong, especially watching in the Clone Wars. They're sarcastic with each other, and there's a lot of trust there, too. I feel like as much as Anakin bashed on Obi-Wan, he trusted in him, and Obi-Wan trusted in Anakin, and I think that matters so much, and that makes, that made their friendship so strong until the point of the obvious when Anakin turned, and you can see how much it meant to Obi-Wan. They can't form attachments in the Jedi Order, but obviously Obi-Wan grew an attachment to Anakin that was his brother, and he definitely spent a lot of years on Tatooine mourning the loss of his best friend, which is what Chewie is going to be doing in The Last Jedi, which I'm not prepared to see. <laughs> Chewie being sad. Oh. So sad, but a happy one. My number two is Luke Skywalker and R2-D2. I love them. They are, as I put in my notes, they are adventure pals. A man's best friend, protocol droid. I 100% feel like the bond between Luke and R2 was stronger than Anakin and R2. R2 served a purpose in this story. And he definitely watched Luke grow after all those years. And he was always there for Luke. And one thing that... I remember, and I always will, is that one battle on the Battle of Yavin, and Luke chose to use R2 in that battle instead of another particle droid. I remember the people were like, oh, do you really want to use this droid? And Luke's like, hell yeah, we've been through a lot together. That It's adorable. They both are confident in each other. It, it's meaningless, but to me it means something. It means they have this bond, and you know they've been together, especially you know the short of time and all the events mm-hmm. of the New Hope. And especially when Luke vanished and R2 was shut off for a long time. And he didn't awake. He didn't awaken until obviously the very end of The Force Awakens. But being that sad, it kind of reminds me of like an elephant's how or apparently elephants can die of a broken heart. I believe that R2 died a little when Luke left. Which, God, Brittany, why are you so depressing <laughs> this episode? You need a drink or something. But... god i'm depressing why stop it britney okay but my number one is r2d2 and c3po i'm kind of cheating by using r2 again but the relationship between r2 and 3po is probably one of the greatest things in star wars star wars wouldn't be star wars without r2 and 3po for god's sake r2 had the plans for the death star he saved the Naboo ship in episode one from being destroyed by the Trade Federation. And R2 also provided Luke Skywalker's lightsaber during the Great Pick of Carcoon, where Luke, you know, the, fam- the famous line, free us or die, and obviously everyone died because you don't fuck with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and <laughs> their love and hate bond is so relatable. All best friends, or I think, have that love-hate. And it's so real because you love your best friend, but sometimes they bother the shit out of you. And you love your best friend, but they can be stupid sometimes and irrational, but you honestly tell them. <laughs> 3PO is a little abusive towards R2 and he hits him a couple times, but when something happens, 3PO is always, or when something almost happens to R2, he's like, please don't hurt R2. Please don't. He means a lot to me. He doesn't say that, but I definitely think that they have a great bond because 
they would, especially in, like, the prequels, they always reunite. Yeah. And they stayed together for 20 years. And even though both of their memories were wiped, they still stuck with each other. Like, they, they could have just forgotten each other and done other droid shit, but for some reason, they were always kept together. They always shared that bond even after their memories were wiped, which is a topic I want to kind of talk about right now, is about the memory okay. wipe thing. So, my understanding of Revenge of the Sith, the very end, was that both of the droids' memories were wiped. But, apparently, R2's wasn't wiped. Or someone's wasn't. Because didn't that StarWars.com do that stupid thing a couple months ago where 3PO shut off, or right after Obi-Wan gave Luke his father's lightsaber because so he can hide his old master secrets. Like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, oh man, that was, that was stupid. <laughs> but both of them had their memory. Like, that's what I've been thinking since 2005 is that, okay, both of their memories were wiped. Cool. But for some reason, R2 remembered Obi-Wan Kenobi. But he thought he was his master, which is kind of, it's not true, but it's very close to being the truth. So I've kind of accepted it. What do you think? I mean, it's possible that R2 is just more discreet. And so R2 maybe remembers some shit or knows some shit, but also knows that he's not supposed to to talk about it or beep about it or whatever you want to beep about it don't you beep about it <laughs> yeah i've always been i've been confused about that for the last couple months because a lot of people talk about obviously a little joke about 3po shutting down to not reveal his master secrets but i always thought that was an obvious that r2's memory was wiped also but i don't know it's the star wars universe a lot of people like to make up stuff or because expanded universe and or legends as wikipedia calls it legends and canon they both intertwine at times because obviously like in rebels we have wow i can't think of names blue guy i i'm not gonna be able to help you i'm a terrible fan okay (laughs) blue guy star wars do you mean thrawn Thrawn! I'm forgetting names! Maybe my memory is wiped too! <laughs> but yeah, Thrawn, like they reintroduced Thrawn and they took or a character from Rogue One and put him in the film. So, I don't know. You don't know what's Legends or what's Canon anymore. And apparently I don't know names of anyone. Okay, the, the, the Wikipedia entry on Memory Wipe says that Bal Organa had 3PO's memory wiped clean, but doesn't say anything about R2's. So I guess R2 does remember everything the whole time. Hmm. God, wouldn't you think that throughout the years R2 would be like, hey, remember when this happened, or do you remember when our old master went crazy and killed his wife, and 3PO's like, what? No, he probably keeps all that shit to himself, but... If R2 really did remember everything, then why did he tell Luke that Obi-Wan was um, his master? Because those movies were written first. Oh, yeah, you're... <laughs> I mean, for the same reason yeah. that Leia remembers her mother. 
<laughs> she was very kind, beautiful, but, but but sad. I always remember that for some reason. I always like to believe that Leia did with the Force kind of feel Padme's emotions, but that's just me trying to connect everything and forgive the mistakes, and especially that accent that Leia had in A New Hope with Tarkin, her little British accent <laughs> for five seconds of the film. And didn't Bloodline kind of try to ease that mistake and say that Leia would kind of make fun of accents sometimes or something? I don't remember. But it's funny, because uh, Carrie talks about that in The Princess Diarist. And it's just like, I, she's basically just like, I don't know what I was doing. She totally just admits that it was like a really bad decision on her part. That makes it even better. That just does. That she just didn't know what she wanted to Well, you know, she was like 19. Exactly. And this was her first movie, too. So. But she did so good her first movie. I just love the fact that they got a bunch of unknowns. Like they did with this movie. They got Finn, Poe, and Ray. And they were all basically unknowns. I don't think. I don't think Daisy Ridley. This was her first movie, correct? I don't know. I know this was Kelly Marie Tran's first movie. I know that for a fact, which makes me so excited to see. I'm very excited for Rose, but <laughs> the flaws in the original trilogy and how they always try to connect everything. I love oh, that. And to stop trying to connect it, everything. I know after the Rex thing, I think they kind of realize now that maybe, maybe we shouldn't try to connect everything or maybe we should just leave that. But the one thing I want to know in Star Wars how Yoda had good relations with the Wookiees. I want to know how that happened. I want to know why that happened. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding, but <laughs> that's just the one thing that, one of the Star Wars things that never gets explained, you know, like the Cassian thing about, you know, how Yoda has good relations with the Wookiees, like obviously just putting that in the film to put that in the film, but what's your kind of Star Wars thing that it's kind of been unanswered, but you're kind of dying to know. Oh man, that's a really good question. I wish that I had this question earlier today so I could think about this. <laughs> I don't know. Off the top of my head, I'm really not sure. I mean, partially I sort of just like having there be questions. No, there was always this scene in Revenge of the Sith. It was written in the books. And it was a scene about... Obi-Wan going to Padme's apartment talking about Anakin and kind of foreshadowing because I don't know if you remember but one of the scenes when Anakin is back in the apartment he's like Obi-Wan's been here hasn't he and Padme's like yeah he's worried about you I want that scene I I want to know what happened in that scene well I know obviously because it was in the book I just think that would have made the movie not better but I just would have thought that that was a great part to add in the movie about another scene with Obi-Wan and Padme, because you don't really see them together no. a lot. Other than that last scene where, you know, the Anakin has turned to the dark side and cue John Williams' really terribly depressing music. But I just think that would have been such a great addition to that scene and to Obi-Wan and how much he cared about Anakin, that he cared so much and he went to Padme and he was literally telling her, I know about you guys. Like, it's cool. And he basically said that and she was really surprised and especially those deleted scenes where she's talking to the senate about the republic and how the emperor 
how Palpatine is taking over, and she says something in the regards of, I know a Jedi that can help. And it's assumed that she's talking about Anakin, but I think she's talking about Obi-Wan. I feel like she had more confidence in Obi-Wan that he could make everything with the Republic and kind of the Jedi better, other than Anakin, because she felt Anakin was very induced in Palpatine's trap. Well, not that she knew it was a trap, but that he had Anakin under his wing and that he was attempting yeah. to do something with that. that makes sense. I like that idea. I know. Which makes me sad that a lot of those novelizations are not canon anymore because they just make the plot for Revenge of the Sith so much better. And not that Revenge of the Sith, I it's one of my favorites, but it depresses me so much, especially the fall of Anakin and, you know, Padme being one of my favorite characters, her dying even though it was necessary for the plot of Star Wars, but it just kills me. But Star Wars, you know, the what-ifs. Do you have any, like, what-ifs or... I mean, definitely, definitely for me, it's a lot of the the stuff that we didn't see in Rogue One. I would have liked to go more in depth with with the Ursos and with Krennic, and also uh, with Cassian and and some of the other and some of the other rebels. I would have I would have loved if we had kept Krennic sort of like yelling at Vader. I liked that idea of a character, and while I really like Rogue One, I think I think there's some really cool stuff there that we just missed out on. <laughs> We're so close, we missed it. I would have been really excited to see Krennic yelling at Vader and seeing how Vader would react, because you don't fuck with Vader. That's the one thing. You don't mess with Vader and Tarkin, too. I was really surprised seeing how Tarkin kind of traded Krennic and the other way around, it didn't defeat the character. Because you know how if you use too many characters in Star Wars, it kind of diminishes their, yeah. you know, presence. I wasn't... I What did you think of the use of Tarkin? Did you think it was enough or was it too much? Part of my problem is I have a huge problem with the CGI. Um, I think for CGI, it's really good. But it's just, it, it's still CGI. And so it's one thing, like, when you're just seeing him, like, his back, and you see his face reflected in the in the window, then it doesn't matter. But when you're seeing him for long periods of time, especially when you're seeing him for long periods of time, like, next to an actual person, it, it throws me off visually so much, um, even now, that it's hard to know how much of uh, my problem is, is simply that. Because I like Tarkin a lot, even though he is responsible for my man Mendo dying. Like, I love that character. I fucking love Peter Cushing. Like, I like okay, it is beyond just the fact that I already talked about the fact that I want to fuck him. But, but no, I just think he's interesting. He's like this sort of oily bad guy that I am totally, like, fascinated by. So on the one hand, yeah, I am really excited that he's in Rogue One. I, I don't think character-wise it's too much. It's just that I cannot get over the visual of it. I remember being really surprised when I first saw Tarkin. And I specifically remember we were driving home that night. And my dad, or we all go see the, movie, the Star Wars movies together, or movies in general, me and my family. Because... 
I love driving home and talking about movies because my dad is the best critic, the best movie critic there is, my favorite, because he's so honest. And I specifically remember one of the Harry Potter spinoffs. I think it was, um, what was that one Harry Potter spinoff name? The Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. The Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, I believe that a trailer for that was with Rogue One. Wait, no, it wasn't that. It was, my dad was reading reviews, and they compared uh, seeing Peter Cushing to watching the Polar Express. Oh, yeah. So my dad, my dad was like, I felt like I was watching the Polar Express, and I was yelling, I'm like, Dad, you're only saying that because you saw this shitty review on Rotten Tomatoes. He's like, no, like, the CGI was terrible. I didn't mind it, but I was, my shock Seeing Tarkin overshadowed the other feelings I might have had, but after seeing it a couple times, there are definitely flaws with the CGI, but I thought it was really good for what they had, and it was nominated for an Oscar, too, so you know that that shit was seen by the Academy and that they were impressed, too, but especially with Leia, seeing the CG Leia... I didn't know how to feel about that either. Like, I hated the hair. They needed to make the hair darker. I I feel awful, like, critiquing because, obviously, everyone that worked on that, they're amazing. You did great. But, come on, the hair. Make the hair darker. It, it shouldn't, is, is it hard? I'm feeling bad saying, but... No, it's just, it's uh, just, it's just this side of wrong. It's the whole, like, Uncanny Valley thing, which is, y- you get to this like this weird disconnect in your brain where it's so close to being human but not quite right and that makes it worse somehow god i feel like this was the movie of like connections and camp not camp yeah connections cameos and easter eggs i feel like that's definitely what rogue one was that kind of brought rogue one back to life because i feel the first probably hour of the film was kind of slow and then it picks up but sorry, Rogue One. <laughs> but the score was good too, and just the characters and the CGI. I don't know if it was necessary bringing back all those characters, but who knows? So I'm checking if we have any emails, and we do. We have one that was sent literally as we were recording last week. And I didn't read it until, I think, three days ago. And this one is from Rusty. If anyone, no one knows, but Rusty is my brother. And he writes your answers, please. Hi, Canto Bite Dispatch. I have been your number one fan since the beginning. (laughs) He has. This is true. He was sending me names and intro songs from... The very first day that I told him that I was going to make a podcast and that I bought podcasting gear. He was very excited. But he says, I have one question for you guys that should be preliminary. A bunch of anthology films have been discussed, and I want to know your reason why Max Rebo, a Star Wars musical story, will be the next film to appear in the Star Wars universe. Please let me know your thoughts. I enjoy your podcast, but I will be delighted to know your answers. Good luck and keep the Canto Bite slot machines working and functional. Okay. All right. I'm totally down 
for Max Rebo movie? Not down for musical. <laughs> Fucking hate musicals. Don't like musicals. What? I don't... I like plays. I don't particularly... Like, I don't like musicals. Or rather, I like very few musicals. What musicals do you like? I mean, I was... I was deeply obsessed with Les Mis when I was, like, in middle school and high school. And I still... I still really like a lot of the songs from that. Um, but other than that, I mean... Fuck. I hate the sound of music. <laughs> hate the sound of music. Sure, um, I don't like any of, like, the... Um, like, Gilbert and Sullivan or, like, 50s. <laughs> I liked Rent, but that... I mean, that... I mean, that's sort of something that you like as a teenager. Um, I haven't listened to it in years. Uh, I did that actually, I saw that on Broadway before I lived in New York, because when I was in choir, uh, we, we took a trip to New York for a, for a choir contest. So, you write fan fiction, can you write songs? I can't write music, I can write lyrics. But I can't, Yo. like, compose, because I can't play an instrument. But, oh, let's see what else do I like. I like Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> I'm literally, like, I'm staring at my movie collection right now. But no, so, okay. So, no musical. But if you do, like, a... If you do... <laughs> okay, I'm probably only thinking this because it's Oscar Isaac. But if you do, like, Inside Lewin Davis, like, frustrated songwriter Max Rebo trying to make a career happen, <laughs> just sort of, like, kicking around the universe, you got a blue elephant dude... <laughs> like that's just just a character a character I'll, I will be happy with a Star Wars character movie if that character is Max Rebo he's one of the unsung heroes of Star Wars he has a musical career working in Jabba's palace that probably takes a lot of work and a lot of determination possibly yeah so like maybe he's like really morally conflicted about it like he knows the job is a bad dude <laughs> And it is really dangerous, but he needs, like, a paying gig because maybe he's, like, sending the money home to his little blue elephant family. <laughs> little blue elephant family. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I know somewhere in my brain the name of Max Rebo's species, but there's no chance of me either remembering it or pronouncing it correctly. So, little blue elephant dude. <laughs> I'm lifting it up right now. Okay, Ortolan, O-R-T-O-L-A-N, for Orto, a popular musician who led Max Rebo band. He mainly performed the Red Ball Jet Organ, which he played with his feet. And he and his band often performed for criminals and... Yeah, see, that's a cool, that's cool. I mean, look, they're never going to make it because it's a little character story and it's Star Wars. But I like that idea. I'm totally down for this, Rusty. But it can't be a musical. No musical. <laughs> oh my god. If you go on the Legends page on Wikipedia, you see this, like, handmade photo, uh, or this drawn photo of Max Rebo, and it tucks. <laughs> and it's really funny. Man, like, I know people love the EU, but I'm glad it's gone. There is some stupid-ass shit in it. Yeah, doesn't Luke, like, come back from the dead, or the Emperor dies? Basically, everyone comes back from the dead, and... And then, like, Luke falls in love with a ghost, and... The robot, right? Oh. 
interesting thing. Luke's love life isn't really that great. I feel bad for the guy. Maybe he should just be like Max and just depend on the music. Maybe Luke should be a musician <laughs> to heal his pain. Music heals. <laughs> Which Star Wars character do you think would be like really good in a band? I bet Lando plays. Dude, Lando instrument. probably sings. He he sounds like he has a good singing voice. He's so charismatic and happy. I mean, he's just so cool that that coolness has to extend to being a musician. Well, also, I just think that because it's Billy D. Williams and Billy D. Williams sings. So <laughs> that's sort of a cheat Is it shitty answer. that either I forgot about that or that I didn't know that? <laughs> it's like, we're going back to the Willow thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much, like... But, well, let's see. You know, I feel like most of these people don't have time for music. Maybe me. They're too busy, like, overthrowing governments and stuff. Quinlan Voss would be a good pianist or drummer. He's very eccentric, and he has a lot of energy. I think he'd be good at the drums. So we have a singer, we have a drums, now guitar. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like making my Star Wars band right now. Yeah, I don't know. Oh God, Ben Solo pro- oh, totally played like acoustic guitar, like. <laughs> annoying like sad bullshit music with like his hair in front of his face <laughs> like singing with his eyes closed <laughs> crying forcing those black tears emo kylo ben i wonder if he was always emo like probably growing up i love kind of a backstory of ben solo because we don't really hear a lot about him other than when he was training with luke Something must have happened before when Leia Han were contemplating what to do with him. Either keep him where he's at or have Luke take him to the Jedi Academy. Because, you know, a lot of those kids now who do a lot of bad shit, they either put them in juvie or they put them in all-boys school or something. That's probably what they did with Kylo. (laughs) (laughs) Tipped him off to Luke's military school. Oh, I think Luke would have been a good teacher. Well, yeah, even though all of his apprentices died, and that maybe, nah, I wouldn't blame that on Luke. It's just bad luck. I mean, I'm going to guess he made some mistakes. Oh yeah, no one's perfect. Not even Yoda's perfect. But, I mean, we'll see just how much of all the Kylo shit was his fault. I mean, hopefully we'll see. Yeah. I'm still hoping for a Max Rebo musical. Just for... Maybe they'll do a Star Wars holiday special this winter. And they'll just do it a musical. They'll bring in Oscar Isaac. And they'll bring in everyone. And Yes, I'm totally all for it. <laughs> I can hear Rusty singing in the other room. (laughs) (laughs) He always goes through phases where he sings, like, different songs. Like, he's been singing a lot of Doobie Brothers songs because we just went to a Doobie Brothers concert last Thursday. (laughs) It was a pretty fun concert. It really was. I told you right before uh, I was in, uh, it was, like, near... Down, it was near downtown San Diego, and I went to this really good seafood restaurant. And 
I saw this guy. He looked just like Krennic. Just like Ben Mendelsohn. And I had to look twice. And either it was him and he's like, oh shit, someone recognizes me. And he walked away. Or I was just being really creepy. I didn't have my glasses on. (laughs) Oh, well, that might have something to do with it. Well, I could still see him far. Like, he was wearing a red shirt and his hair was just like Mendo. I don't know, but I could have sworn it was him. But then again, when I was like eight or nine, I could have sworn I saw Carrie Fisher at my local grocery store. But then again, that might have been my terrible eyesight. But <laughs> yeah, I, th- I I sense a reoccurring theme. But no, he really did look like Ben. I swear. Okay. So I can say that I've seen Ben Mendelsohn, but I didn't smell him. But he was around a a seafood restaurant, so he probably smelled like. Fish and cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> not not the best combination in the world. Yeah, but... Alright, is there anything else you want to talk about this episode? I don't think so. I think that's sort of it for the Star Wars week. Yeah, we had, a again, a little bit of a slow week, but hopefully something random will drop like last week or something exciting will happen or we'll entertain you with another really dirty top three topic (laughs) (laughs) always an option always an option alrighty we are part of the Radio Free Podcasting Network if you go to radiofreepodcasting.com you can find us you can find other Star Wars podcasts like the Imperial Senate or Radio Free Mandalore or just like other cool pop culture podcasts um, the Twin Peaks podcast I do with Charlie Ashby House Annie is up there our friend Colleen does one called Amateur Pod Patrick Bonfrisco in addition to Radio Free Mandalore does one called John in 60 Seconds where they're going through the movies of John Cusack one minute at a time, um, believe. Right now, they are doing Say Anything, so give that a listen, check them out. There's a lot of cool people over there. If you want to email us any questions or comments or theories, like pitch us a Max Rebo musical or whatever spinoff you want to see, uh, do that at cantobitepod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at CantoBitePod, and Instagram is also CantoBitePod. And I am on Twitter as myself, at EFLind, that's at E-F-L-I-N-D. And on Twitter, I am CantoBrit, and Instagram, I am BrittanyTheGinger. You'll probably find it if you search our podcasts on Instagram, because I plug in our usernames sometimes. So, yeah, thank you everyone for listening, and hope to see you all next week. Bye! Bye!